Hey, good day. My name's Corey, also called Safety Man. Want to address the new law or prohibitions that's being uh, promulgated through the legislature and eventually, by the time of the airing of this video, likely signed by now Governor Murphy. There's a lot of information in there. There's a lot of misconceptions about what's going on in this bill slash law. And what I want to do in this video is answer some of the common questions that have come up on the permit to carry, handgun carry permit, CCW, whatever you want to call it, on some of the boards and, and chat rooms and private groups on social media. First, I want to answer some of those questions. Then I want to read the actual prohibitions or guidance that is in this law. And finally, I want to give all permit holders some guidance on how to navigate this process, how to ensure that we comply, how to ensure that we don't become a victim of uh, not following it. And we don't want to be that test case or patient zero, as we like to call it, for somebody who chose to flaunt the system and just do what they wanted to do because they disagree with it. The law is the law. We are required to follow it. And the only way that we can get through this together and ensure that our Second Amendment rights are upheld in the state of New Jersey and across the nation is to comply. We can complain privately and professionally, but we must comply. So as I read the most common or pertinent provisions of this new bill slash law, uh, pardon me if you see me looking down because I have it written here and I want to make sure that I, I get it correct. So the very first one that they're talking about is ban carry in common play, public places by labeling them as, and then their quotes, not mine, sensitive places. We've all been dealing with that term, sensitive areas, sensitive places, similar to the law in New York, right? Sensitive places, which includes parks, beaches, restaurants, theaters, stadiums, arenas, and many other common public places. As we are keenly aware, some active shooting events and some acts of crime, violent crime, such as robbery, carjacking, uh, personal you know, ATM robberies, things like that, can happen in these, quote, sensitive areas. And one would think that it would make sense to have trained private citizens armed legally in those areas may one make a criminal think twice about executing his or her crime in that area knowing that there may be trained armed private citizens retired police officers active duty police officers that are just off duty or another myriad of people who are legally authorized to carry concealed firearms in those places if we can prevent that crime by scaring really scaring, giving apprehension to that potential criminal, that potential active shooter, that potential terrorist. That's a good thing. So the law is the law. So those places are now banned, period. End of story. There is no wiggle room. So we will, as good Americans, follow the law. We can complain about it. The best thing to do is after you get your, your voice, your stress, like everyone has, and everyone has the right to do according to the First Amendment, 
as we express that distaste, displeasure, that distress about this law, I would then ask you to professionally channel that by calling your local elected official, whether it be from your mayor level to your town council, all the way up to the state legislature and assembly, and even the governor's office, if you can get a hold of someone there and express your displeasure with this law, how it makes you feel unsafe, how it makes your family feel unsafe because you have a right, because you're trained to carry a concealed firearm. So the next provision would be ban carry inside one's car, period, end of story. You cannot carry concealed in a holster, a loaded firearm in your car. You could until the governor signs the bill. Now you cannot. That's a common question that I also get. So what's the answer? How do I get my firearm legally owned from point A to point B if I can no longer carry it on my person? I can no longer protect myself if someone is trying to carjack me and my kids, my family is in the car. And if they carjack me, those people are in danger. And my gun is locked up, taken apart, and the ammunition's in the glove box and a gun is in the trunk. I can't defend myself. I cannot protect myself from this person. What do you do? You have to follow the law. You can carry a taser. Those are still legal. You don't have to take the taser apart, but you cannot, you cannot, you cannot legally carry your gun on your person in the car, period, end of story. I do encourage you to professionally complain about it to your elected official, to professionally post it on social media, dig like I have and find the statistics, find out how many private citizens who were trained and legally allowed to carry a concealed firearm or open carry in other states. Find out how many have used that gun to commit a crime. And you will see that the numbers are very low. You'll be hard pressed to find one, two, three of those stories where a trained private citizen who passed a background investigation has then used a personally owned legal firearm to commit an unprovoked violent crime. Not saying there's people who don't mistakes, trained law enforcement officers make mistakes with their firearms. I'm talking about the trained private citizen who's legally able to carry the firearm. You'll be hard pressed to find enough to make an argument that it's better to keep trained, legal, law-abiding, armed citizens unarmed in potentially dangerous areas than it is to allow people who commit crimes to get out of jail and out of prison early and then go and commit additional violent crimes. <clears throat> so the next one would be ban carry at public gatherings. Well, if you're a potential terrorist and you want to go and create mass casualties, would you go to a place where there is one person or where there is a public gathering, i.e. a parade, a concert, any other group of a, a large public gathering of people, that's a great target to set off your IED, to go on your active shooting, active stabbing, drive your car into people. It's a great location to do that. It's a high value target. And the legislature and governor has said that legally armed, trained private citizens cannot carry a lawful firearm in those areas. I get the frustration. I am equally frustrated. I encourage you to professionally, calmly, 
express your displeasure with this portion of the law to your elected officials and explain how much safer you would feel knowing that at this public gathering, a terrorist, a bad guy, a criminal, a, a person who's emotionally disturbed, when they do their pre-target surveillance, when they determine that this is the place they want to get mass casualties, and they find out that New Jersey's law allows trained private citizens to legally carry firearms concealed in this area. I want that to be part of their calculus. That's what you have to argue, that we want to push crime away. We want to push death away. We want to push mass casualties away from where we are. And this law, again, prohibits that by saying you, me, as legally armed, trained private citizens can't do that. The next provision would be ban carry on all private property. All private property. Well, most property in the state is either private property, public land, or government property. So we're about 75%, 80% of the property in the state of New Jersey ban carry on all private property automatically unless the property owner specifically posts notices specifically allowing it. Now, I've seen in several forums on here where signs have been made where people can post this green sign that says this place allows concealed carry on it. And then I've seen people say, no, don't do that because that's kowtowing to the law. That's your choice. If you're the owner of private property and you would rather have or you are good with private citizens who were trained and legally carrying a personally owned firearm that is legal in the state of New Jersey, if you're okay, or encouraging them to carry on your private property, that's your choice. But just understand that the counter argument, and I'm not making an argument either way, that by doing that, people would then assume that you're kowtowing or you're bowing to the authority of the law. Well, we do have to bow to the authority of the law because the law is the authority. Having been a police officer for 27 years, there have been unpopular rules, regulations, guidance, and laws that we had to do or, or were no longer allowed to do. It was That was it. Monday morning, you can't do this anymore. Tuesday morning, you must do this always. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. And we did it. We may not have liked it, but we did it. And we would voice our displeasure professionally in the proper channels, and some things changed. Now, allow me to go on a side note here. Just explain to you the tasers, tasers, the conducted energy device or conducted electrical weapon, whatever you want to call it, that fires the probes from 15 to 25 feet, depending on which model. And they're designed to temporarily incapacitate the aggressor so we can then move in and cuff or control that person. When the first taser policy came out, it was extremely restrictive. There were, just like this law, there were policies and procedures in it that made the justification for use so high that it was almost impossible to come up with a situation where deadly force was not also the answer. What did we do as law enforcement? I was the first municipal police officer in the state of New Jersey authorized to teach taser to the rest of the law enforcement community. What did we do? We complained professionally. We wrote, we talked, we called. We didn't use profanity. We didn't just act like we were five-year-olds. We complained professionally. We wrote. And then after about two to three years of us following the policy professionally and having zero 
uses with law enforcement that were outside of that very restrictive policy based on, on the policies that we are promoting and the laws that we are promoting and the training that we are promoting, the then attorney general did relax the policy. And then tasers came to where we feel that they should be. And then ultimately tasers became legal for private citizens, which they are now. And I've trained numerous private citizens in the safe, effective, legal, moral use of taser. And I've had zero private citizens, and I've trained over 100, zero use them illegally or improperly. I've had two uses, one in Pennsylvania, one in New Jersey, where they were used properly according to policy, according to the law, according to my training, and according to the manufacturer's instructions. There were no serious injuries. In fact, no injuries. The bad guys were arrested. The good guys were patted on the back, not sent to a grand jury, not charged with anything, and sent home with no problem. So I tell you that as a side note to let you know that, yes, laws can come that we don't like. If we professionally attack those laws professionally with, with guidance and we're all on the same page, we can uh, prevail. <clears throat> the next prohibition significantly increases fees for purchaser credentials and carry permits. And then they're saying in this article that I'm reading it from, it discriminates against low income applicants, which in, in fact it does. If you're a single elderly person or single person living on a fixed income, that fee of up to $500, that's just for the application. Then you have to pay for fingerprints. Uh, then you have to pay for the actual firearm. And then you'd have to pay somebody like me or somebody uh, another couple hundred dollars to get effective training so you can use it tactically, legally, and morally, according to whatever policy there is, you're, you're over $1,000 out of the gate. One could argue that that is prohibitive against applicants and residents who are on a fixed income. And the idea is to make it easy for people to defend themselves, not make it harder. So again, that's something that you can professionally complain about using social media or contacting via mail, email, or snail mail, your representative using facts, using your opinion stated in a professional fashion. Mandate liability insurance, which at this point, as far as I know, I'm not aware of any companies that offer liability insurance for concealed carry holders. I am working with an insurance carrier to try and get a, pro, a uh, provision for New Jersey residents who are concealed carry holders or permit to carry handgun or handgun carry permit, whichever phrase you want to use. The law actually uses permit to carry a handgun is what the law actually calls it. Trying to get liability insurance. Now, don't confuse that with these USCCA and US Law Shield. Those are legal defense funds. What that does is gives you legal representation to represent you in court should you have to use force or deadly force to defend yourself or others in a attack type situation. They do not cover any civil judgment against you. So let's say you passed a criminal court and now there's a civil suit, which there will be if you use a firearm to defend yourself or some other person. They will give you a lawyer, but if that civil suit results in a judgment of 100, 200, 300, 400, a million dollars, that U.S. Law Shield, that U.S. Concealed Carry Association, they don't pay that. That's what insurance is for. 
So I would encourage you to contact your homeowner's insurance and see if they would at least cover you if you had to use deadly force inside your home. I doubt that your insurance company would cover you if you had to use deadly force outside your home. So find out if they would offer a policy before you reach out to this. So stay tuned because in a future video, I hope to release a company that is authorized to work in New Jersey. I hope to authorize, uh, announce a company that's going to provide that type of uh, concealed carry for a private citizen. They already do it for law enforcement, on duty, off duty, and retired, but they there's a lot of liability and they have to do a lot of uh, thinking and do some matrix to determine what type of policy and what that would look like for private citizens. So there are people that are working on it. But as I know, as far as I know right now, I'm not aware of any companies that do that. Mandate new training requirement beyond the already difficult one that has existed for many decades. So again, just understand, I'm reading this from a website. I'm not reading the actual law, just reading this website. So some of the verbiage they're putting there are already trying to cast it in a negative light, but the state is going to require new training. Everyone who's gone through my training with, with Safety Man to get their concealed carry permit, I've had about seven or eight clients so far that have been approved. Uh, the training that, that I offer is the exact same training that every retired police officer has to go through twice a year. Every on-duty police officer has to go through, and I'm also authorized to train private citizens and make them armed uniform licensed security guards within the state of New Jersey. I use the exact same training for them that I do for private citizens. There is no change. You go through a 90 minute class where you get the attorney general's use of force policy. I teach that policy directly from the attorney general's website. I use the attorney general created PowerPoint. I change nothing. I teach it that way. Then we shoot the handgun qualification course one, which is a qualification that course that I had to shoot for 27 years as a law enforcement officer, as a qualification course that I taught for several years as a director of firearms training in the police academy. It's the qualification course that I have to shoot twice a year now for, as being a retired police officer for the last four years. It's the qualification course that I use to qualify retired police officers twice a year. It's the qualification course that I use to make private citizens security officers. It's the qualification course that I use to make private citizens authorized to demonstrate a thorough knowledge of the safe handling and operation of the firearm or firearms they intend to carry. So by using those two training modules that were created by the attorney general and the state police and that are still in use by the attorney general and state police, I'm doing my best to give my clients and these private citizens the best training that they can get and training that will satisfy the grand jury, a grand jury when pushed by the attorney general's office, were you to go before them if you had to use deadly force. That is why I chose that. It is To me, it is the, it is the best. I don't know what additional training, if it's going to be different than that, if it's going to be the same as that. We obviously know there's an online portion of the training when you apply for a permit that you have to click through. And then it also says that there will be a actual live fire portion of it. So I'm hoping that the training scenario that I'm giving will, will be grandfathered in or will be the, the standard going forward. They're going to use past online posts as grounds to deny purchase and carry permits. Kind of half the reason I'm making this video. All those comments that we make on social media, we all know that they're there forever. You may delete it, but if somebody screenshotted that 
that's there forever. If someone did a, a, a communication data warrant and got all the stuff you deleted from whatever social media platform you're on, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, Truth Social, whatever you're on, if somebody got a communication data warrant and asked for all your posts, all your pictures, all your likes, all your memes, everything, you don't want that to be used against you. Why do you think I've been stressing throughout this whole video that it's fine to complain? That's our First Amendment right. Just channel it professionally. Channel it professionally. Not pictures of Murphy with a gun to his head. None of that. That's unprofessional. It's immoral. In, in my, it's almost illegal. Yeah, we have a First Amendment to express our displeasure. Do it professionally. We want to show them that we are adults, we are professional, and we can be trusted with a firearm in public after we've had training. And that's what the line that we have to maintain. Check each other. Somebody posts something, private message them and tell them to take that down or qualify it. Be professional on that. Finally, allow character denial of permits based on purely subjective factors, like someone's character or temperament. Again, that's going to what I've been saying. Show yourself as a professional trained adult when you're talking about firearms. Okay. We are not Rambo. We are not dirty Harry. We use a firearm solely for the purpose that the attorney general says when deadly force is immediately necessary and reasonable and proportionate to the force that's being used or threatened to be used against us, period. We do not use it for retaliation, to teach a lesson, or to end an encounter more quickly. We use it because deadly force is immediately necessary, reasonable, and proportional, period. That's it. And we're not happy to do it. And then after we do it, we get to a safe location and we call 911. If the situation is safe and we can do it safely, we can administer first aid to that person. That is the goal. That is the standard. That is what every law enforcement officer sign up for. And that is the way I train my clients, period. And that's the message we have to send as a group to the state and to anyone else who's looking to infringe upon that Second Amendment is that we can be trusted and that we are upstanding and that we can be a force to assist the state in making it safe for those who want to travel in, through, or live in it, period. Finally, bear with me here. People have asked armed security officers. I'm a SORA instructor, Security Officers Registration Act. How does this bill affect SORA? How does this bill affect armed security officers? Well, if you were an armed security officer and you had a permit to carry, at that point, you were legally allowed to carry your firearm concealed on your way to and from your job site. Now that this, when this law goes into effect, or if it has by the time you're looking at this, that's over. Now you're back to the way SORA was pre-Bruin decision, pre-Supreme Court decision, where your gun had to be separate, unloaded in a separate part of your car when you get on the confines of your job site and you're on duty in uniform with your SORA card and your identification that says you're supposed to work there, then that gun goes into a level three holster. Prior to that, now it, it's locked up in your car just like every other private citizen. This law goes back to that. You can no longer carry on person, on your person, in your car, regardless of what your job is, unless you're a police officer, a sworn police officer, you could be a private security guard, anything else, it does not matter. 
We're back to pre-Bruin, pre-Supreme Court. We're back to May of 2022, where you had to carry that gun, take it apart. Retention strap. I recommend to all my clients that you have some sort of retention, not a strap necessarily. You can, but I don't recommend an actual strap. The holster I like is a Blackhawk Serpa. It's a paddle holster that goes, part of it goes inside the pants. The actual holster gun is outside the pants. It does offer retention. Most people will consider it a level one. They have level two. They have level three. I will say this, whatever holster and retention system you get, practice on it. Practice in a safe area with an unloaded firearm. I have videos on my website. I have videos on my YouTube, Safety Man Consulting. You Google that, you go right to my YouTube channel. And I have all kinds of videos on there that teach you the different types of holsters, the pros and cons of appendix carry, inside the pants, off-body carry, the Serpa holster that I'm talking about, ankle holsters. I have videos that show you all of them and talk about the pros and cons. Please send me messages. Send me a picture of your holster. Uh, post videos of you training with your holster. All that's good stuff. If you have proof that you've been training with something and you can take that as time and date stamped to, to a court and let your attorney see that, if, heaven forbid, you have to use deadly force, all that's good for you, that you train, that you put time, effort, energy, and thought into your carry situation, into your choice to defend yourself and others. That's what we want. That's what we're looking for. Responsible, trained citizens, citizens that are able to enhance the ability of the state of New Jersey to keep it safe. So I do recommend retention. I do recommend training. Retention is good for a couple of reasons. Not all fights are like Hollywood where you're standing you know, stationary in one location, your bad guy's six feet away, he threatens you with some sort of weapon, you, without having to move, draw your weapon, fire your rounds, and the situation's over. That's not how deadly force tends to work. There's a lot of running, moving, potentially wrestling. You may fall, the person may fall, before, during, or after you draw that weapon. I want to know that that weapon is secure, at least for that. Maybe even a, a half, had half-hearted gun grab these holsters that you have for most uh off-duty or concealed carry don't offer enough retention to survive a, a vigorous two hard two-hand gun grab so again think about level one level two level three i guarantee you, if you dedicate enough practice four or five hundred draws with an empty safe weapon in a safe area you'll get it so it's, it's automatic but again remember if you're going to choose between three different guns to carry off duty or three different holsters and three different retention systems and three different locations. That's a lot of stuff that your brain now has to do under a stressful situation. That's what I don't like. When you look at police officers, they have one holster with one gun all the time. For 25 years, I had the same holster with the same gun in it, and it was automatic. I didn't have to think about drawing my gun. You aren't going to practice to the same level and extent. I want you to, I want you to practice more, but are you going to go to the range twice a year at a minimum and qualify? Are you going to go to range two or three, four other times a year just to practice and make that stuff automatic? I certainly hope so. Okay. So you can contact me right up there over my shoulder, safetyman.co and set up a chance to qualify with me. I would love to do that with you. Finally, Let's just say you know that you're in the right, or you think, but in your brain, you know, you could be wrong, but you feel that you are in the right, that you are not violating any of the government statutes. 
and you're contacted by law enforcement and you feel that you're right. You feel that you're righteous. You feel that you're following all the laws. And that law enforcement officer wants to do one of several things. And then you look at a video I posted earlier, it talks about the different uh, rights that law enforcement officers have to determine if you are supposed to have this concealed weapon. Comply. Capital C. Comply. Comply now. Complain later. Comply. I don't care how right you feel. If the officer says he wants to separate you from that weapon, or the officer says she wants to arrest you because she believes you don't have that weapon legally, you comply. Don't reach for the weapon. Don't try to disarm yourself. Don't argue. That's already a tense situation. This is New Jersey. Officers, we are not, we're not allowed, normally uh, accustomed to dealing with armed citizens. We were accustomed to dealing if somebody had a gun, they were committing a crime, and they were getting arrested. That's changed. So you have to let law enforcement catch up to that. So comply. Tell them, officer, I will comply with you. I just want you to know, I believe that I am legally allowed to have this. After you search me, you'll find my permit to carry a handgun in my wallet, my left rear pocket. My gun is carried in an appendix holster. And then you put your hands out to the side so you can actually comply, right? See what happens when you make a mistake? You start knocking things over and that could be your life. So we want to comply. Do not give that officer any reason to either charge you with obstruction, hindering, or think that you're reaching for a weapon and then start to reach for a weapon and escalate that situation. The law says you must comply with an unlawful arrest. I'm telling you, just for your own safety and legality, comply with it. And then when it turns out later that you were right and that officer was wrong, well, then you have civil remedies for that. This has been Safety Man. I want you to use professional language. I want you to train. I want you to train like you are going to become a Navy SEAL or SWAT team member. And I want you to comply with the law as it is written. Any changes, modifications to it, comply. And I want you to be ready and stay safe. Send me questions. Send me comments. I'll make more.